The Red Maryland Network is proud to present national conservative radio personality, Rob Carson. Support Rob on Patreon and check out his line of conservatees. And now, here's Rob. It's the Rob Carson Show. Are you ready to be pod-smacked? Now, here's Rob Carson. And it is finally, by the grace of God, Friday. Hello and welcome, podcasters, to uh, episode number 192. 192, closing in on 200 of the Rob Carson Show podcast. If you are uh, downloading it from uh, all sorts of places, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, tune in, Google Play, Google Plus, uh, Audio Boom, SoundCloud, Libsyn, Patreon.com, and YouTube. That's some serious distribution there. 192. For those of you who are listening to us on the Podcast Radio Network, hello and good evening. Thank you for listening. You can hear it every night, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 5 o'clock Central. And for those of you watching on LibertyOneTV.com, hello, hello. We are getting ready to do some very cool stuff with regard to Liberty One TV. Uh, Terry, the man who built this glorious uh, uh, bastion of freedom of speech, has uh, just been wonderful. And I want to say thank you to him for inviting me to be a part of this. This has been more rewarding than anything I could imagine. And every day, I bust my butt to come up with the best prep for you guys. And you guys, we listen to the podcast. Uh, I get up early every day, and I work for a 45-minute podcast, usually four or five hours. So we're going to bring some great content to you today. We got a lot on this Frederica Wilson, the representative who's just an awful person. She's the one who wears the bad sequin cowboy hats. She's calling John Kelly a, a liar and a racist. Unbelievable. George Bush finally opens his big yap eight years after the Obama administration ran roughshod over the Constitution, and he's ripping on Donald Trump without saying his name. And also, you and I, we deplorables. We'll hear from John Kelly yesterday talking about the uh, Gold Star family and the president's call. Get to all of that. And it's a lot of fun stuff. Oh, we got some fun stuff, too. We'll get to all that in just a second. Uh, if you are watching on um, Liberty One TV, you'll see a graphic below me. It's uh, tpublic.com slash user slash conservatees. Teepublic.com slash user slash conservatees. I have a bunch of uh, politically incorrect designs on there. You can have it put on T-shirts, hoodies. Uh, mugs, you can have them put on stickers, you can have them put on just about anything. Here are a couple I'll show you. You can't coexist when someone to kill you. That's the uh, coexist bumper sticker you see on Priuses. Veganism is an eating disorder. You've got the iconic picture of Che Guevara and uh, murderous commie douchebag, not a hero. Proud climate change denier. That's another one. Okay. My kid is not a snowflake. Where is that? Yeah, my kid is not a snowflake. Uh, we've added a bunch of NFL stuff. We've got a new one with the NFL, kind of an NFL-looking logo, and it says, if they don't stand up, I won't watch. If they don't stand, I won't watch. That is up there. Uh, we've got several NFL designs for those who believe you should stand during the national anthem. So check them out again, teepublic.com slash user slash conservatives. All right, let's talk a little bit about George W. Bush. Um, I uh, grabbed a couple uh, bites from the Rush Limbaugh program yesterday. I heard Mr. Limbaugh talking about... Um, about George Bush, and um, I wrote for Rush starting in 1990. Uh, I write comedy, although he doesn't run much run much comedy anymore. Um, but he was talking a little bit about this, and, and of all the times for George Bush to open his big fat mouth, and this is really heart wrenching for me because I like George Bush. I, I like the man. I think he's a good and decent man. I thought he was an okay president. He was a wartime president. I thought he did a lousy job with uh, 
the uh, it did a good job with the economy. He brought it back after 9-11, which was massive, but unfortunately he doubled the national debt. So he was a big government um, Republican. That, that's that's what he really was. You know, he got us into the Iraq war. You can agree or disagree with that. I, I was along with it. But, uh, you know, he waited eight years for Barack Obama to be in office. Why did he decide to open his mouth when a Republican is in office? Why did he decide to finally uh, not be silent anymore? Eight years. He's demure. He does nothing. He does bike rides with uh, wounded veterans, which I love. And he reserves the time to criticize for Donald Trump's administration. And there's a reason for that. He's an establishment Republican. Okay. Donald Trump is the antithesis of the establishment. Donald Trump won because um, what I consider the theme of the election was people are sick and tired of being told how to live their lives by people who spend their entire lives doing so. Bernie Sanders was, uh, I guess, considered anti-establishment, even though he's a career politician and he's been in the Senate for a while. But he was more of an outsider than Hillary Clinton. And because the Democrat Party is crooked, so the Democrats had the same kind of thing in mind. They wanted to get rid of establishment candidates, and they had one forced down their throats. That didn't sound right. Anyway, George Bush has been quiet for eight years. I remember when Jeb Bush threw his hat in the ring to run for president, and I literally guffawed. I said, you've got to be kidding. You have no chance. He has no chance. All of the establishment candidates had no Chance And while George Bush, or I should say Jeb Bush, has never been a Washington uh, politician, he's still part of the, the family. No chance. <laughs> no chance of winning uh, the, uh, the nomination. Neither did Lindsey Graham. Uh, again, I, I guffawed. I laughed. Here's a little bit uh, from uh, George Bush's speech yesterday to the George Bush Institute in Dallas, Texas. I'd love to be able to go do speeches at my own institute, but here he is, uh, finally not silent. Bigotry seems emboldened. Our politics seems more vulnerable to conspiracy theories and outright fabrication. We've seen our discourse degrade. Now, okay, all right, so uh, bigotry is, is on the move. No, it's not. Uh, there's always been bigotry in the country, and it's not been, in, it's not been incited by uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not a bigot. Donald Trump is not a racist. This is a faux narrative being uh, forwarded by some people on the left making it sound like there are more hate crimes because Donald Trump is some sort of a racist. Uh, Mr. Bush, you're better than that. You are, you are better than that. Um, what else? Let's do a little bit of that again. Hold and outright fabrication. Okay, as far as conspiracy theories are. Okay, how about this? How about this for a conspiracy theory? Remember when Donald Trump said the Trump Tower was bugged? I mean, can you believe that Donald Trump said... That, that, I mean, that is a conspiracy theory. Oh, wait a minute, it was right. No, okay, he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Conspiracy theory. I mean, <laughs> the Clintons getting money uh, to help uh, get a nuclear deal through uh, approved by our government for Russia to get 20% of our reserves. It just, I mean, that's a, con- wait a minute, no, that was right too. You know, this conspiracy, conspiracy theory stuff, really? Uh, a good share of the, the supposed conspiracy theories this president has uh, posited were true. We've seen our discourse degraded by casual cruelty. What, is that, what does that mean? I'm hearing a lot of Democrats call Republicans names. 
Okay, I, I got you that. Yeah, you know, Donald Trump is a Nazi. There's Nazis in the White House. He's a white supremacist. At times it can seem like the forces pulling us apart are stronger than the forces binding us together. Argument turns too easily into animosity. Disagree- remember when uh, Barack Obama said, get in their face? Remember that? Remember, remember that? I'm with you on, on campuses everywhere. Our arguments are animosity. Uh, conservative voices are being silenced. Uh, conservative rallies are being disrupted by violence from the left. The anti-fa, for instance. It escalates into dehumanization. We've seen nationalism distorted into nativism. Um, nothing wrong with being a nationalist. I don't know what you're talking about, nativism. Unless you're saying that only people who are born here have been emboldened. If you're talking about maybe reforming uh, immigration, yeah, needed to happen. I've forgotten the dynamism that immigration has always brought to America. Okay, there's still plenty of people coming into the United States. Uh, this is just, I can't believe he's, he's, he's bought into this crap. Our border has been flooded with, with DACA, uh, 400,000 people flooding into the country. They, they had a, a version of DACA that was turned down. It was challenged by 26 states to bring the parents of the families into the country. We just decided to say, you know, hey, how about we have, um, I don't know, same immigration policy as Mexico. Maybe we, uh, you know, we, we, we limit the number of people who can come into the country legally and we stem the flow of illegal immigration. What's wrong with that? Oh, I forget. You like to have that cheap labor. Okay, here's uh, President Bush uh, buying into the Russia narrative. America's experienced a sustained attempt by a hostile power to feed and exploit our country's divisions. According to our intelligence services, the Russians... Okay, this is, is, uh, I think he's talking about Russians buying Facebook advertising. I think that might be part of it. The government has made a project of turning Americans against each other. This effort is broad, systemic, and stealthy. It's conducted a range of social media platforms. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's uh, fine. Whatever. You know, that's, that's what they're doing. But let's not also forget that the Obama administration okayed a nuclear deal, even though they knew that Russian officials were bribing, were uh, giving kickbacks, were laundering money with uh, companies in the United States, and then they gave $150, $45 million to the Clinton Foundation. Clinton was on the board that helped to approve the Russian nuclear deal. We've been through this before. What about that, Mr. Bush? Why haven't you said anything about that? And then, of course, there's the white supremacy thing. Our identity as a nation, unlike many other nations, is not determined by geography or, or ethnicity, by soil or blood. Being an American involves the embrace of high ideals and civic responsibility. Okay, that's fine. We become the heirs of Thomas Jefferson by accepting the ideal of human dignity found in the Declaration of Independence. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we've all pretty much been like that. We become the heirs of James Madison. Well, I understand. I didn't get anything from James Madison. Did you? Were you in his will? I don't know. The genius and values of the U.S. Constitution. We become the heirs of Martin Luther King Jr. by recognizing one another not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Yeah, unfortunately, many people voted for Barack Obama because of that the color of his skin, not the content of his character. On campuses everywhere, they are fomenting a, a false rage against racism that is not on the rise. You've got 
colleges where there are safe spaces for only black students. There are dormitories only for black students. I was reading a story about a, a university professor today. She said on uh, social media, she calls on white men the last. She calls on black women the first, all the affected groups, and the last person to be, you know, if you got your hand up, last person to be the white kid. That's that's racism, sir. That's the color of your skin. This means that people of every race, religion, ethnicity can be fully and equally American. It means that bigotry or white supremacy in any form is blasphemy against the American creed. What about black supremacy? What, what about... What about all the other supremacies out there? I guess it's okay for black supremacy. When it comes to campuses and whatnot, uh, that's okay. That's, that's perfectly fine. White supremacy is not on the rise, okay? Uh, the, the white population is shrinking. I don't believe that white supremacy is on the rise. Uh, this is a faux narrative, and, I, and I'm kind of sad that this president would buy into it, to be quite honest. And I'm really sad that, uh, you know, he didn't help in the last election. Uh, he didn't campaign in the last election. That's his choice. But he has also been silent for eight years until now. And, and it's clearly because the establishment can't stand Donald Trump. The establishment is, is upset by Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants to change the tax code. Donald Trump is getting rid of regulation. Donald Trump is untying the hands of our military. Donald Trump is actually showing the ability and the desire to actually want to change and truly drain the swamp. Mr. Bush is part of the Washington set. He, he is. He doesn't go to Washington anymore, but he's a part of that set. He's a part of the, the group of people that are set in their ways. They like Washington the way it is, and they don't want the apple cart and the gravy train to be upset. Seven of the richest counties in America surround Washington, D.C., and it's your money. <laughs> it's your money. All right, let's move on. White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. You know, this this man is a uh, a hero. Uh, he did a press conference a couple weeks ago, and he was just just brilliant. I I just love to hear him speak. He's a gold star dad. His, his son died, I believe, in two thousand and ten. Was killed in Afghanistan. And we've got the uh, the story of this Frederica uh, Wilson saying that Donald Trump uh, and she was listening in on a on a a, a call from the president in a limo. And uh, it was to a gold star wife by the president of the United States. Okay. The uh, representative, for some odd reason, and by the this is a, this is a call to the uh, the gold star wife of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. He was one of four men killed, soldiers killed in Niger. Uh, by the way, Representative Wilson referred to Sergeant Johnson as a, uh, she refers to as my son and a Green Beret. He was not a Green Beret. Only one of the four soldiers was a Green Beret. Brian C. Black, he was one of the four soldiers. Uh, she is a dimwit. She is a uh, doofus. Uh, she wears an idiotic uh, spangled uh, cowboy hat. And, you know, I am, I'm all about uh, trademarks. You know, trademarks are good. You want to have a trademark look. You want to have a trademark whatever. But trademarks aren't good if you look like an idiot. John Kelly was defending Donald Trump's call. Donald Trump said, Essentially, your son knew or your husband knew what he was signing up for. I'm sure that doesn't make it feel better, essentially. Uh, John Kelly explained why he said that. Here are several things that he said yesterday during a press conference that I thought was absolutely brilliant. 
four people the other day and expressed his condolences in the best way that he the president called him for all four people. He could. And he said to me, so he called four people the other day and expressed his condolences in the best way that he could. And he said to me, what do I say? Uh, I said to him, sir, there's nothing you can do to lighten the burden on these families. But let me tell you what I tell them. And what, let me tell you what my best friend, Joe Dunford, told me, because he was my casualty officer. He said, Kel, um, he was doing exactly what he wanted to do when he was killed. He knew what he was getting into by joining the, that 1%. He knew what the possibilities were because we're at war. And when he died, in the four cases we're talking about in Asia, my son's case in Afghanistan, when he died, he was surrounded by the best men on this earth. And his best friends, by the way. There was another Gold Star widow who uh, shared a phone call. They did a, a speaker phone call with the president. And I, I just decided I didn't want to play it. I know she made it uh, public. That's fine. I, I, I just felt like... If I say, well, it's it's different. This this wretched, awful woman, Frederica Wilson, uh, she was party to a private conversation, and she decided to make it public and make it political. She made it political. She could have kept it right there, but she decided to go after Donald Trump with this phone call and her perception of the phone call, even though she didn't hear all of it. A little bit more from John Kelly. I was stunned. When I came to work yesterday morning. And by the way, Donald Trump at least had the humility to ask a gold star father and hero and say, what do I say? What do I say? Donald Trump, this, this arrogant, pompous, you know, billionaire, he said, what do I say? And John Kelly told him that, told him. He, he signed up for it. He knew what he was going to get. Wasn't meant by, well, you know, he knew what he was going to get. So sorry, he's dead. He didn't say that. Brokenhearted at what I saw a member of Congress doing. A member of Congress who listened in on a phone call from the President of the United States to a young wife. And in his way, tried to express that opinion. He's a brave man, a fallen hero. And by the way, the other three Gold Star families involved have said nothing. Uh, one has said and shared the phone call, and it was it was it was great. Um, only this one with the the hyper political partisan uh, who's been going after Donald Trump since the day he stepped into office, uh, saying that he needs to be impeached. This all adds up, guys. This is just this is just an awful, awful, awful example of politici politicizing something that should have been private. It is. It is. Just honestly, uh, sickening to me that you'd take the perception of a phone call between the president and a grieving widow and the family and reveal it to the media and schedule appearances and call CNN and call these other organizations. And then, by the way, I'm going to share in a second, she doubled down on it all. He knew what he was getting himself into because he enlisted. There's no reason to enlist. He enlisted. And he was where he wanted to be exactly where he wanted to be with exactly the people he wanted to be with 
when his life was taken. That was the message. That was the message that was transmitted. It stuns me that a member of Congress would have listened in on that conversation. Absolutely stuns me. And I thought at least that was sacred. Okay. And, and he was wrong. He was wrong because with Democrats, nothing is sacred because it's all about taking out Donald Trump. It's all about Donald Trump. That's, that's it. Here's uh, Frederica Wilson on uh, Donald Trump. This is in February, okay? The president has been on office about a month. He doesn't realize that he is on the brink of impeachment. And people will begin to call for him to be God, that voice. I swear to God, I want to stab my ears with knitting needles. Impeached, and the Republicans will have to join in because they need to be on the right side of history. That's a month into the president's tenure. That's how quick it happened. There was talk of impeachment before he was sworn in. Here's uh, John Kelly talking about Frederica Wilson and how she likes to politicize things. This is in the same uh, presser yesterday. Uh, she was at a, a, a naming of a building after two fallen officers. Here's, uh, here's what transpired. Uh, in, in, in October, uh, April, rather, of 2015, I was still on active duty. And I went to the dedication of the new FBI field office in Miami. And it was dedicated to two men who were killed in a firefight in Miami with, against drug traffickers in 1986. I've been in McGrogan and uh, Duke. Uh, Grogan almost retired, 53 years old, Duke. I think less than a year on the job. Anyways, they got in a gunfight, and they were killed. Three other uh, FBI agents were there, were wounded, now retired. So we go down. Jim Comey did an absolutely brilliant memorial speech to those fallen men and, the, and, the, and to all of the men and women of the FBI. Now, here comes the representative. Who serve our country so well, and law enforcement so well. Uh, there were family members there. Some of the children that were there were only three or four years old when their dads were killed on that street in uh, Miami-Dade. Um, three of the men that survived the fight were there and gave rendition of how brave those men were and how they gave their lives. And a congresswoman uh, stood up and in the long tradition of empty barrels making the most noise, stood up there and all of that and talked about how she was instrumental in getting the funding for that building. <laughs> now she took care of her constituents because she got the money and she just called up President Obama and on that phone call, he gave the money, the $20 million to build the building. She sat down. And we were stunned. Stunned that she'd done it. Even for someone that is that empty a barrel. We were stunned. Stunned. You were stunned. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, you've got this solemn moment where survivors are there and they're naming a building after two fallen officers and she gets up and takes credit for the funding of the building. That's really nice. So she hijacked that event. She hijacked a phone call from the president to a gold star widow. What a wretched, awful woman. Dear God. And, uh, and she's uh, laughing it off, actually. She laughed off 
the uh, the press conference yesterday by John Kelly. Here's a story from a uh, uh, TV station in Florida. After the White House chief of staff says he is, quote, stunned and broken hearted, end quote, by Congresswoman Frederica Wilson's actions, this was her response. The dog can bark at the moon all night long, but it doesn't become an issue until the moon barks back. The criticism from the White House comes two days after the Congresswoman accused the president of being insensitive in his condolence call to the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. She said she was in the limo with his family when she heard the president say this. He knew what he was signing up for, but it still hurts. Family members of the fallen soldier have backed up her account of the call, but the president maintains like it's not true. Didn't say what that congresswoman said. Didn't say it at all. The congresswoman says she's been getting threatening phone calls from white nationalists. Oh, yes, of course. They're from white nationalists. You know, um, I don't know if you can tell color on the phone generally. And now, more harsh words from the White House. You mean to tell me that I have become so important? <laughs> Wow, as though her voice couldn't be more annoying. That's amazing. That is absolutely phenomenal. I have to tell my kids that I'm a rock star now. No, you're not a rock star. Um, You're a spectacle. You're a foolish spectacle. You're an idiot with bad makeup and a stupid hat. You're a rodeo clown. Now, John Kelly had made a reference to uh, an empty barrel, an empty vessel. You heard that? Um, Representative Wilson decided that she uh, she would use that as an excuse to call the uh, press secretary a uh, or I should say the uh, uh, not that he's not the press secretary you know you know uh, chief of staff that she would use the opportunity to call this gold star father this honorable man this well spoken man uh, call him a racist. Uh, this is sickening, and I want you to listen how she quickly brushes off the uh, the charge that she has made. Okay, listen to this real quick. Empty barrels make the most noise. Yeah, empty barrels. And he was using that. He was likening that to you, basically that you're. you're I think making- that's a that's a racist term too. I'm thinking about that when uh, we looked it up in the dictionary because I had never heard of an empty barrel. Okay, I looked it up online extensively. Uh, It's not a racist term. Uh, Originally, it was used in Jamaica. I'll explain exactly what it meant in a moment. But if it really was racist, listen to this, how she easily moves on to the next subject. That's a that's a racist term, too. I, I'm thinking about that when uh, we looked it up in the dictionary because I had never heard of an empty barrel. And I don't like uh, to be uh, dragged into something like that. Already the moved on. only thing I want to be dragged into right now is bring back our girls who are the victims of Boko Haram. Okay, so now we're back to the the women who were kidnapped by Boko Haram during the uh, Obama administration. By the way, that was when we heard about hashtag activism. Remember when uh, uh, Michelle Obama put the hashtag bring our girls back? And he's like, it doesn't mean anything, right? Doesn't mean anything. That said, did you see how quickly she pivoted off of it? 
She she did the drive-by racial thing. She did the lowest form of discourse. Uh, the clear sign that you're losing the argument, the last sign that shows you're losing an argument is when you hurl the word racism. And she hurled it like a, a bag of feces at a, out of a window and then moved on to Boko Haram, of all things. Boko Haram? I looked up the uh, empty barrel makes more noise. So an empty vessel makes the most noise. Empty barrel makes the most noise. Uh, an empty vessel makes a louder noise when struck as there is more room for the sound to reverberate. Hit an empty saucepan with a spoon, you'll get a loud ringing that lasts for a while. Now fill it with water and do the same. You'll get a muffled sound that dies almost instantly. Uh, the press secretary, or I should say the chief of staff, said that uh, she is an empty vessel because she, well, first of all, her, her, uh, her head is empty. And, and second of all, her argument uh, rings loudly, but it's hollow. There's nothing there. That's what he meant by it. It had nothing to do with race. And like I said, when you throw racism, you are losing the argument. I got to tell you, I haven't seen something this, this just disgusting in a while, in a long time. <laughs> I mean, just to immediately... Uh, politicize a phone call that you probably shouldn't have even heard. And even though you didn't hear it all, uh, make a judgment about what the president said and then uh, go to the media to tear him down. It's just honestly uh, really, really bad. Senator Tom Tillis came to the defense of uh, of uh, President Trump, and he, and he said the obvious. I mean, who are you going to believe with regard to treating military families, uh, Barack Obama or uh, Donald Trump? Uh, Donald Trump has shown enormous reverence for the uh, the soldiers of the United States. He is increasing funding to the military. He has uh, 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 taken the handcuffs off of them when it comes to engagement, and they're kicking ass and taking names. Uh, here is uh, the senator talking about Donald Trump. Is President Trump showing the appropriate respect? I, I think the president shows a lot of respect for our troops, up to and including um, – the, the practice that we've seen in certain professional teams to not respect the image of the flag that uh, these men and women are fighting and dying for. There's so I think too. he's done a good job. And, you know, people are going to pick maybe one or two things that we may not even know fully uh, what the reasons were behind it. But I think <laughs> that this president has shown more respect for our troops in the first nine months than the prior president did in, the, in eight years of office. I couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. He's asking people to stand for the flag. Barack Obama had a Chairman Mao Christmas ornament on his Christmas tree in the White House the first year he was in office. Who you going to believe, kids? Who you going to believe? All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Um, apparently, he's not doing very well in rehab. In fact, he's he's... He's what he did was and this is typical. It's typical of uh, just about it. It's typical of like Anthony Weiner when he uh, originally got caught um, sexting or what I don't remember what it was originally. He ended up he was trying to molest a teenager. Um, <clears throat> but you know you go you get you commit yourself to rehab and becoming a better man. And uh, Anthony Weiner got a pass that first time. Then he went to run for mayor. You found out he was trying to molest a fifteen year old, and that was it. That was it. Harvey Weinstein has been raping and molesting and uh, harassing women, ruining careers, destroying lives for 30 years. 
but he's apparently becoming very belligerent at the sex rehab clinic. He uh, apparently it's an inpatient facility, but a source says he's actually being treated at an intensive outpatient facility, allows him to spend nights at the hotel. In one group therapy session, Harvey arrived 15 minutes late. Then when it was his turn to speak, he launched into a speech about how this is all a conspiracy against him. The source added that as other, uh, others at the clinic shared their personal stories, Harvey fell asleep in his chair. He was only awoke, awoken by a ringing of his smuggled mobile phone, which is banned in the facility. Harvey jolted awake, jumped up, and immediately uh, took the call and ran out of the room. He insisted he never raped or assaulted anybody and that all the encounters were consensual. He uh, realizes he has been uh, like an a-hole, but he insists he's not a rapist. He does not have, he does not, he does have his phone, but when he is in therapy, he has to give it to someone else, source added. The characterization of what he said and what happened at the group session isn't true. Whatever. Um, this is, oh boy. Democrat, another Democrat, Representative Eddie Bernice Johnson. It's a woman, by the way. Uh, and only because she's a Democrat, she's able to say these things. Can you imagine if a gold star or, or a, a Republican representative was sitting in the limo getting a car, uh, call from Barack Obama on the way to uh, greeting your husband's body, and, and they politicized that? First of all, he would have been called a racist. They immediately racist because the president is a black man. That's 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 the thing. Uh, if that were and first and they wouldn't be listened to, they would have been shot down by the media immediately, immediately. But if you're a Democrat, you can get away with a lot of stuff, like Eddie Bernice Johnson, who was talking about uh, 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 Harvey Weinstein, and said that uh, women can sometimes invite sexual assault. I grew up at a time when. It was as much the woman's responsibility as the man's. Boy, her bad as her, her voice is as bad as Frederica. How you addressed, how your what your behavior was. Um, so I'm from the old school. Now this is uh, meant to, I guess, excuse. If you're from the old school, then then I guess you can go ahead and say asinine things like this woman is about to say. That you can uh, have behaviors that appear to be inviting. Uh, it can be interpreted as such. Uh, that's the responsibility, I think, of the female. <sighs> Congresswoman Johnson, who has been alive more than eight decades, acknowledges she is from the old school, but insists her message is meant to empower women. Do you think it's time to stop talking about what women are wearing in this conversation and talk instead about wow. Wow. the power that some people have and the power that some people abuse? I think we also need to start talking about the power that women have to control the situation. There's law enforcement. Uh, you can refuse to cooperate with that kind of behavior. Yes, you can refuse to be raped. Stop, rapist. Yes, I, I, I refute you, rapist. I think that many times men get away with this because they're allowed to get away with it by the women. When you Oh, blaming the victim. Oh, that is a fine example. That is, that is a perfect example of blaming the victim. You have an expectation oh. that that might happen, and that's how you got to do it to make it. That's a mental thing that has to change with the woman. Oh, boy. She'll be laughed off as an elderly woman who doesn't have her thoughts together. Or just, you know, maybe even called a hero because she's a Democrat. Here's a couple of more, couple more political stories, then we'll get to some other stuff. 
apparently, uh, single payer in Great Britain, the uh, NHS has uh, proposed refusal of surgeries to smokers and obese people. You've got to uh, you've got to stop smoking and you've got to lose some weight before you consider uh, surgery. All right. Now, apparently, the uh, these what they call contradictions already get applied. They already tell you these things. What they're saying is the reason why they are explicitly saying this is because they are uh, not able to get to all the patients there. And this is a way for them to deal with the crush of people who they cannot, because it is a a single-payer system, they cannot treat. So they want to punish people by rationing care away from them. And uh, the need to ration is one of the main motivations for the proposal, apparently. All right? In a free market system, even if an insurer or provider took this position, a a patient could opt for a different provider or insurer in a single-payer system. Of course, they don't have a choice. They don't have a choice. Wesley Smith uh, warns at NRO, I have to find what NRO is, that uh, social engineering won't stop there, although it will depend in large part as to the political correctness of the behavior. With other patients with unhealthy lifestyles, what will be banned next? Promiscuity? But the justice, the injustice would be the same. Centralized control in healthcare eventually leads to bioethical authoritarianism. Now, I brought this up on the uh, on the uh, my my uh, Facebook page and my Twitter feed because once government has the ability to uh, control healthcare, they control everything. Because they have the opportunity to uh, to take your life, essentially, by denying you care. They have the ability to say, and this could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because you're a political enemy. I mean, if, if the IRS could be used to go after people in the United States, uh, for instance, the IRS going after conservative groups, keeping them from getting their 501c3 status, why wouldn't perhaps the government health care system be able to Look at somebody's, and not say it, of course. You're a conservative. You come up with an excuse. Well, we, we have to deny service because of this. We have to deny, deny your treatment for this. We have to deny your treatment for that. Once government has the control of health care, they have your life. That's it. That's why I'm so anti-centralized uh, medicine, and you should be too. A lot of things in the government can be made to, uh, can be weaponized. By the way, Daniel Loriente, a Cuban dissident, made news in May by running into a uh, communist May Day parade waving an American flag. He is uh, in a notorious mental institution there. Family uh, family members say that doctors uh, diagnosed him or have not diagnosed him with illness or charged him with any crime, but that's how they do it. They keep him in these state-run institutions. He is essentially a political prisoner. Uh, his son says his father has refused all medication and food coming from the state, so his family sends him crackers and milk. He says that he will not eat at the hands of the oppressor. Uh, he faced charges of public disorder following the incident in May, but a local court dismissed the charges. The dismissal appeared to have no effect on his confinement. Okay? This is how they do it. Now, I want you to listen to this. Following his arrest, authorities told... Laurenti, he would be transferred to this this institution called Mazora for, are you ready for this? Believing in God, which communist doctors consider to be a sign of mental illness. That's, um, that's another way. 
They can look at your ideology when the state is in charge of health care. They can look at your ideology and consider you mentally ill. If you are a Christian, you believe in God. This is one of the reasons why they don't believe in God, other than they are godless individuals. But they can say that believing in God is a mental illness and lock you up. Can you believe that, folks? Think about that. Can you imagine that? Happened in the Soviet Union. It's happened in communist countries uh, time and time and time and time again. When will we learn? And there are still idiots on campus who uh, idealize and wear Chairman Mao shirts and wear, uh, you know, the, the star and the hammer and the sickle. Amnesty International noted they've received reports from the political prisoners that were being sent to psychiatric institutions, detention pavilions controlled by the state, where they are confined in dangerous conditions with poor hygiene and exposed to ill treatment from personnel and other inmates. By the way, this guy, Loriente, has been arrested, had been arrested a year prior to the incident, May 16th, for waving a flag at Havana Harbor, an American flag. And uh, that's, what, that's how they roll. And, and Barack Obama uh, normalized relations with Cuba. And you know why that is? Because Barack Obama idolizes the Castros. They are, uh, the Castros are heroes of the left. They are heroes of the left. They just are. I'll refer you once again to the uh, Chairman Mao ornament on the president's Christmas tree. Okay, let's move on from political stuff. A uh, radio host in Australia. This is pretty interesting. And I, I worked in radio, and I and I will continue to work in radio uh, eventually. But uh, there is there are some issues with um, pay uh, between men and women as performers in radio. Uh, I have seen this time and time again because um, there are generally in a lot of radio stations you've got a big male host in the morning, and he's got a surrounding cast, and even if the woman in the show. He does the same amount of work, uh, carries the same amount of weight as far as show prep and whatnot. The dude gets the big payday. I've seen it. I've worked at stations for many years where this happened. Here is the uh, the exchange. This radio host in Australia decided he'd take a pay cut when he found out that his co-host was making 40% less than he was. Here's the exchange when she originally told him. Now, her name is Kate Lambrick or Langbrook. And his name is Dave Hughes. I found out last year yep. that you get paid 40% more than I do for doing this show. You, who does? You. I personally, I yeah, do. Yeah, you get paid more than me for doing this show. I had no idea what we no. got paid. Uh, <laughs> do I? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That, 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 you sure? Yeah, positive. <laughs> A really? situation you'll be happy has now been rectified. Yeah, boy, what's, yeah. what's this against you? <laughs> mm. mm. But that's, my friends... That's what International Women's Day is about. Well, now I feel terrible. You don't need to feel terrible. It wasn't your fault. Right, yeah. yeah but sure. you were born with two oranges in a string bag, and I was born with a lovely... <laughs> How would you describe well, it? Well, I don't know if that's... I mean, But I'd... that's classic International Women's Day, Hugh. Is it? That's uh-huh. what it's about. Pa- now, now, this... Okay, we, we talk about women uh, equal pay with women and all that stuff, and, and it is illegal in this country to do that. Um, it's interesting that she brought it up on the air and, uh, I got to tell you, uh, that probably gets you fired here. Um, that said they worked together at the station for 16 years. She's five years older than him. And yet he makes more money. I don't know how she found out about it. She usually, this is a private thing, but that said, I'm just going to say, uh, this is not uncommon in broadcasting. It's not uncommon in broadcasting. 
Then, I mean, you, on TV, you hear other things. I don't, and I don't even know why. Why do we know how much Megyn Kelly makes? Well, maybe it's because the shareholders need to know because she's making $70 million for three years. And why do we know that Matt Lauer makes whatever? And why do we know that whatever, you know, Hoda Kotb makes whatever? Um, it's a little bit different in TV. Uh, it's a little more transparent. But I'm just going to tell you, um, it happens. <laughs> it, 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 it happens. A lot of the times also, the, uh, the workload with um, members of the team is not, uh, is not the, uh, the same. Uh, a lot of the times, and I, and I say this about women in broadcasting. This is a personal note here. Someone has been doing this for a long time. Women frequently, when they're a part of a team, are asked to do a lot more than, say, for instance, the main host of the show. And I'm not saying anything against the main host of the show because we bust our butts too, but a lot of times women have to be the co-host, be the reactor, be, be the one that they bounce stuff off of, also do traffic and weather and the Hollywood dish. So essentially they are, like Ginger Rogers, doing what Fred does, but backwards and in heels. Um, it's, it's an interesting conundrum. I don't think everybody on the show should make the same amount of money. Don't get me wrong. But if you've been there for the same amount of time and your duties are the same and is a co-host situation, you make what the other person makes. I knew, for instance, just because I worked with her, uh, a woman in, uh, in Cincinnati, because uh, I helped her with her contract. She'd never had a contract like that, and I, and I helped her with a contract, and I knew what she was going to make, and I actually said, now you got to make more. Why is that? Because I make more. Okay. And uh, I know she was making pretty much what I was making, pretty much what I was making. And, uh, yeah, I've said enough about it, I guess. I've said enough. All right. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, the Dodgers are going to be in the uh, in the World Series. Dodgers are going to be in the World Series. Line shot, and it is caught, and the ball game is over. Yeah. And the Los Angeles Dodgers have won the pennant. The Dodgers are headed to the World Series. I'm glad that the Cubs didn't win because I don't want the Cubs to become the Red Sox. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad they won. I'm glad we saw it. Uh, we, you know, when you think about it, you know, a lot of people went, uh, were born and died, including Harry Carey, without seeing it. And so I thought it was cool uh, that they that they won last year. But I didn't want them to win again and again and again and again and again. All right. Now we just have to wait for the winner of uh, New York and Houston. Uh, you know, in New York and L.A. Here we go. We got bookends of the country. No flyover country. I don't know. I don't know how interesting the the game will be. Who, who knows what it's going to be? Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad for the Dodgers because the, the Dodgers haven't won since 1988. They haven't gone to the uh, to the uh, the series since ni- 1988. And last night, Tommy Lasorda was there. And I thought it was kind of cool to see Tommy Lasorda standing there waving at his team. I thought that was pretty cool. Kike Hernandez hit three home runs, including a grand slam. Amazing. Kike Hernandez. Kike, not Kike. This is full of Dodgers <laughs> with one away. That's a drive in a right center field. Very nice. Hernandez Very sends nice. one deep, and that ball is gone. It's a grand slam. Kike Hernandez. <laughs> Hernandez, a high fly ball. Is he going to do it again? Kike Hernandez has Kike. got it again. His <laughs> third Kike. home run of the game. Oh, boy, that's good. And Hernandez yeah, that's good. has hit three. Ties a major league record for most home runs in a game in a championship series. All right, so yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I'm I'm uh, Kike, not Kike. <laughs> Kike Hernandez uh, hit three. That was pretty. Uh, that was pretty sweet. We'll see what happens. Um, Chiefs lost last night. I'm not going to get into that. It was a, it was a last minute TD by uh, by Oakland. It's just a mess. Now they're five and two. Now they're five and two.
Off subject, this is kind of cool. There's a video that's gone viral. I don't know if you knew. Uh, Nancy Cartwright does a lot of the voices on um, uh, The Simpsons, and she did a 40-second video running through the seven different characters that she does. I want you to listen to this, because I, I do voice work for a living. I do you know different voice. I do Morgan Freeman. I do Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. You know, I do things like that. She does, uh, uh, what, seven voices on The Simpsons. Listen to this. Your attention, please. Your attention, please. I have an announcement wow. to make. I'm bored. Ha ha! You think you're bored? What about all those poor suckers out there in the audience? Wow. Ah, yeah. They just keep praying that their category is next. Well, as long as they are praying and while we're at it, I get to anoint their feet. You keep your hands off me, you little twink, or I'll call the cops. My daddy's a <laughs> cop. His breath smells like cat food. And that, my friends, is how I make a living. All right, that is cool. I didn't know she did the, the whatever the thing is that Maggie does, but she does it without the uh, the pacifier in her mouth. I thought that was I thought that was really really cool. Uh, just I, I'm fascinated by the the voice thing. I'm fascinated by the voices for. Family Guy. I'm, fa- I'm particularly fascinated by the the guys on uh, on SpongeBob and the voices they do, because they are amazing. Especially the guy who does SpongeBob. He also does Patchy the Pirate, and he is um, just incredible. I, and and uh, if you get a chance to, and you're hanging out with the kids, uh, make sure to check out the SpongeBob uh, Halloween special. It's a it's kind of a stop motion animation version of SpongeBob, and uh, the Christmas episode came out a few years ago. It's, it's wonderful. This is, uh, this is uh, I think, uh, uh, as, uh, pretty close. It's a Halloween version, uh, and, I would, and I would venture to say it's, it's, it's fairly close. It's fairly close. A couple more stories here real quick. Um, two men robbed a city convenience store. I guess this is in uh, Brockton. I'm not sure what state. It could be in, uh, I think, Massachusetts. Anyway, they stopped at a convenience store uh, Tuesday afternoon. They both had uh, hunting knives, and they demanded a single dollar. They, led, they then fled the area east on foot. The witnesses who called police followed the suspects to uh, the street and then lost sight of them. They're saying the two people are between the ages of 15 and 18, one wearing a red sweatshirt and a white shirt, the other one a white hooded sweatshirt. They just wanted a dollar. What are, what are you, you going to do with a dollar? <laughs> what are you going to do with a dollar? I mean, honestly, and couldn't you just walk in and just say, can I have a dollar? Wouldn't that be a little bit easier? Then going in and demanding a dollar uh, with a knife, just uh, just unbelievable. Finally, the last story of the day, and, and I thank you for joining me today. Uh, Playboy is getting its first transgender model. <clears throat> I saw the picture. All right, I don't know what I was. It was looking at the UK Daily Mail, which is one of my favorite things. And I saw this on the sideline. I saw this woman who was topless. You know, it's clickbait, right? It's clickbait. And I'm over and I'm looking and I'm like, and then all of a sudden I see uh, Inez Rao, transgender model. All right, and so uh, she's the first transgender playmate of the month. She's 26 years old. She, he, whatever, 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 whatever. Uh, now, apparently, she's not the first transgender woman to appear in Playboy. That would be actress Carolyn Cossey, who uh, posed for the issue in 1981 when she was uh, uh, in the Bond flick For Your Eyes Only. She was outed by a tabloid a year later. So nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. Kind of interesting. I don't know. Looks like a girl. I, uh, 
I'm not going to get. I don't feel like getting into the the, uh, the transgender debate today. It's just it's Friday. It's Friday, right? Anyway, guys, I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I want to thank uh, LibertyOneTV.com for having the show on. We're adding more talent to this great network uh, every day. And if you wouldn't mind, become a member. Okay, it's it's how we're going to pay our bills. It's how we make a living. I mentioned yesterday during the podcast, uh, free speech under attack on campus social media when it's conservative talk we are not backing down here we are not backing down here and this is uncensored folks i mean i don't use a lot of profanity but this is uh uncensored freedom of expression and it's pretty damn cool and i hope if you like my show you will become a member just go to liberty one tv or liberty one tv.com which you're watching right now if you are you know not listening to the show uh and become a member will you Greatly appreciate it. Also, check out tpublic.com slash user slash conservatives. 62 designs right now out there, politically incorrect garb. The holidays are coming up, and I think you're really going to dig it. I've got a great uh, uh, designer named Sam Cangelosi. Used to work for uh, Hallmark, and the designs are impeccable. And again, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, stand for the anthem stuff right now. Uh, Your way to go to a tailgate party this weekend and show your friends that, by God, you stand for the anthem, even if the players don't. And, uh, you know, maybe you're not even going to be watching football this weekend. You know, that's I understand that as well. I am, of course, on uh, Facebook at Rob Carson Show, Twitter at Rob Carson. And you can download my podcast, my daily audio podcast, every single day. All you got to do is go to iTunes, iHeartRadio, all of the all of the players. Okay, all of the players, essentially. Uh, Player FM, uh, Google Plus, Google Play, all of those, uh, uh, Alexa, and just look up Rob Carson Show or say Rob Carson Show Podcast, and you can enjoy it. i got a couple hundred episodes in the can right now. Anyway, have a glorious weekend, guys. It's my wife's birthday today. It's a big birthday. I won't say which one, but she's absolutely gorgeous. Her name is Kelly, and she is a gift from God. See you guys next time. God bless and be safe. Thanks for listening to The Rob Carson Show. Friend him on Facebook at Carson Show, on Twitter at Rob Carson, and on Instagram. Uh, I think Facebook and Twitter are enough for now. We'll see you soon. You can subscribe to all of our Red Maryland Network programming on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and the TuneIn Radio app. You can also listen to the Red Maryland Network by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash redmaryland or visit the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com.